You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I'm going to re-explain everything because I just got done talking to everybody. But um, basically, because it was my daughter's birthday yesterday, um, we're just doing live. Like, I've got one note. We're going to go over that one note. Otherwise, we're just doing live. And I know some of you don't really like the format, but it's this or no podcast. And I just felt like doing this. So there you go. Um, the one thing that I wanted to talk about, thank you to everybody that's hanging out, by the way, we've been talking a lot about, oh, you're going to make me download it, um, how much of an impact skipping the preseason has. And I've been giving my sort of just general opinion on things, and I think it was Goose, I don't exactly remember, reached out and kind of had a point or a question. I was like, you know what, why don't I just do a semi-deep dive just just actually look at it and then see, you know, th- this will be our final time. We'll do one deep dive and then we're putting it to bed. So I looked at a couple different people with a very simple goal in mind. I looked at Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Adrian Amos, a- uh, Aaron Jones, Corey Lindley, David Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers. Generally, these are Green Bay Packers who have been around long enough to give us a, a somewhat of a big enough sample size. Question is this. Um, in a given year... How many snaps did they have, and what was their grade in week one? And so I want to see what is the correlation between the number of snaps. In other words, if you get more time in the preseason, do you perform better week one or not? So let's go through that, um, and we'll see. And again, if you're hanging out with me today, thank you for that. Be sure to keep pumping in those comments, because how long this goes depends entirely on if we have anything to talk about outside of this. Um, but we'll start with Kenny Clark. And again, I'm not gonna I'm try, gonna try to not give my opinion as we go along, but just kind of get a feel for it. Do you feel like there's a correlation here? So starting in 2016 through 2020, and remember in 2020 the number is always going to be zero because there wasn't a preseason. 38, he had a 62 overall grade, 63 snaps, 63 overall grade, 63, 67, 20, 69, 0, 65. So 38, 63, 63, 20, and 0. So kind of a decent amount, a ton, a ton, a little bit, and nothing. His grades over that period were 62, 63, 67, 69, and 65. He is unbelievably consistent in week one, and he is consistently average, average to good. Um, Everybody kind of knows he has somewhat of a slow start, wildly consistent in that range. Doesn't seem to be any correlation, I said I wasn't going to comment, but just based on Kenny, I don't really see any correlation between the number of opportunities he gets and, um, for example, 
the two times he had a ton of snaps in preseason in 17 and 18, his grades were a 63 and a 67. The year he had zero snaps, his grade was a 65, right in between those two. What difference does it make? It didn't make any difference. Let's look at Zedarius. Um, 2015, and this is with Baltimore. So from 2015 to 2020, and it was too confusing going back and forth, so we'll just do snaps. 215, 58, 83, 76, 21, and 0. So he played a ton in 2015, a relatively high amount in 16, 17, 18, then a low amount in 19, and 0 in 20. His grades, 60, 54, 70, 69, 74, 76. So his grades kind of are on a path going straight up. Now, I'm guessing most people are going to say, well, yeah, but he got better as a player. Right. There is a correlation between how good of a player you are and how well you perform on week one, but that's kind of a point away from your point, isn't it? The point isn't, are you playing a lot in the preseason? The, the question is, are you a good football player? Right? If you, if you had to decide, how good are they going to be week one? Are, are you looking at primarily how much did you play week two of the preseason or how good of a football player you are? So in Zadarius's case, as he got better as a football player, he performed better in week one, despite the fact that he was playing less and less snaps as time went on. Didn't seem to impact him because he got better and better every week one with some up and down because nothing's ever perfectly consistent. Now, there are two players where you could make a case for not having any playing time caused them to have a slow week. And I did put a couple notes. If they did perform worse with low snap counts, how long until they rebounded? Adrian Amos is one of those guys. So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20 are his years. 88, 81, 105, then 29, 21, and 0. His grades, 65, 67, 60, 78, 70, and 51. So average, 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 good, good, bad. The one time he was bad ever in week one was the one year that correlates with him um, not having any snaps. Now, that could just be a coincidence, right? Because everybody has one of those 51 overall grade games. It's entirely possible that he just happened to have it that one time. But whatever. So then the question is, well, when did he finally rebound or have his first good week? It was in week three. So it didn't take all that long. Aaron Jones, again, is the other one. This one's a little bit more convincing because you've got four years, 17, 18, 19, and 20. He didn't play any snaps in 19 or 20. He did in 17 and 18. So 60 snaps, 40 snaps, 0, 0. His grades, 61, 71, 58, 56. So average, good, bad, bad. And the bad, bad correlates to 19 and 20 with zero snaps. So maybe, and it may be a player-to-player situation, not just for everybody. And I kind of talked about that with Aaron Rodgers saying, if it's going to affect anybody, Aaron Rodgers is low on the list of people because he's a professional and he's, you know, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Follow-up question, how long did it take for him to rebound? Week two. Week two. So even if there is a thing, if Aaron Jones comes out of the gate a little bit slow because he didn't get his 20 reps or whatever in the preseason, you can expect him to bounce back by week two. So, again, take it for what it's worth. Corey Lindsley, um, 134, 75, 0, 45, 28, 15, and 0. His grades, 75, 71, 73, 67, 59, 58, and 71. So he had two years with zero snaps, 16 and 20. His grades in those games were 73 and 71. His two low grades were times that he played in the preseason. 
So there's zero correlation. It's just nothing really matches up. He was usually pretty good. He had a couple that were bad. They don't really correlate to snaps. Uh, when he had zero, it was it was very high, but not quite as highest, but still good. You know what I mean? It's like there's nothing here. I'm just I'm just providing you the information. It, it makes sense that they would come out of the gate slow. I'm just asking you. I'm reading off the numbers. Does it sound to you like there is an, an, a direct correlation between more snaps and higher grades? I haven't heard it outside of maybe, maybe on a player-to-player basis. Bakhtiari, we got three more. I'm going to go through them. Keep the comments coming. His snaps, he's got a lot of them. Uh, 111, 77, 33, 57, 45, 16, 15, and 0. So very, very high, moderate from 14 to 17, kind of low, but played in 18 and 19, and then in 20, didn't play at all. His grades, 59, 49, 60, 75, 84, 83, 57, and 81. This one's similar to Zadarius, where you'd say, well, he just keeps getting better and better over time as a player. Again, yes, because that's the factor that we should actually care about. Are you a good football player? If you're a good football player, we expect you to be good week one, and that's a fair assessment. But there are some anomalies in there. Same with if you look at Adrian Amos. There's that random 57 overall grade. Well, he did play, but he didn't play very much. Well, he played the same amount as 18, and he had an 83 overall grade. So again, it's just it's just random. It's all just random. Generally, you're going to play well in week one if you're a good football player. Regardless, the one time he didn't play, he came out of the gate with an 81 overall grade. That's his third highest in his entire preseason career. Devontae, 121, 57, 113, 44, 13, 7, and 0. So like all these other guys, as you get better over time and as we start to get away, and most teams are starting to play their starters less and less, you start to see the decline in snaps. His grades, 54, 69, 63, 61, 80, 61, 84. Again, he's getting better as he becomes a better player because that's the factor that matters. His highest grade ever was last year, the one time he's never played a snap. It's it's the exact opposite of what you would expect. Why didn't he come out of the gate slow? You would expect him to eat, even if it's like, what is expected? What is his average? Like an 80? Okay, well, week one with no snaps, he'd come out like a 70. No, he didn't. He was higher than he's ever been. His best week one grade ever was in 2020 when he didn't play any snaps. He didn't come out of the gate slow. There's no correlation here for Devontae Adams, for David Bakhtiari, for Corey Lindsley, for Zadarius Smith, or for Kenny Clark between how much they play in the preseason and how well they perform week one. Amos, maybe, but it was just one year. It could have been an anomaly. Aaron Jones is the only one that's halfway convincing, but we're talking about four years. Aaron Rodgers, it only goes back to 13, so that's what we're going to do. 45, 69, 47, 25, 26, 6, 0, 0. So basically since 2018, he hasn't hardly done anything. His grades, 77, 67, 91, 68, 67, 64, 56, 96. So the, the, the couple takeaways here. Uh, number one, he, he comes out of the gate kind of slow here. Have you, you noticed that? He, he's got, in week one, he does have the two 90s in there and then 170, otherwise 67, 68, 67, 64, and 56. The vast majority of his week ones, pretty low. Low average to bad in week one. So Aaron Rodgers generally not coming out of the gate firing. Um, And two of those were in 2018, 2019, and 2020 in that range. He had a 64 and a 56. Now, again, it doesn't really matter because he also had 60s when he played a lot. And the most important thing, 96 one of the greatest games 
he's ever played in his entire career. It was the second highest grade he had in 2020 because he was a freak in 2020, so he surpassed his old record. But I think 96 was his second highest graded game ever, his highest ever at that time. And it came in 2020 after taking zero snaps in the preseason like everybody else. And he had, the at that time, I think the best game of his entire career, according to PFF. So again, I, I kind of just want to put it to bed. There might be some guys that come out slow, and it might just be the whole chemistry of the team in general and as of the unit in general kind of getting the rhythm and the motion of all this stuff going on. But on a player-to-player basis, I went through, I read it all to you. You tell me, do, do you see a correlation? Because I don't see a correlation. Kyle Bernson has a super chat, $10. Can't stay for long. The wife and I are re-watching The Walking Dead. Happy birthday to the kiddo. Thank you very much, brother. I really appreciate that. Thanks for stopping in. Go enjoy the show. Um, I keep wanting to watch that show, The Walking Dead. I, I know I've started it, and for some... I don't know why I don't finish it. I, I can't remember in my mind, like, watching it and being like, this is stupid, I'm not watching. I don't know why I stop. And there's always... I see clips later on where it's like, dude, that looks like a good show. I should watch that. I just, something must happen in that show. I don't think it's a slow start or what, but something must happen in that show. And um, it just turns me off to the show. I don't know. Same with uh, Game of Thrones. I watched Game of Thrones. And in that first episode, the midget, little person, whatever you're supposed to call him, um, was having relations with this lady. And my wife walked in and was like, what are you watching? And I was like, I don't know. And I turned it off. I was like, I... Why, why, what is this? Why am I, what is, this is horrible. So I didn't watch it anymore. I was like, this, I, it just started, dude. It just started. I, I can't expect a TV show to never have anything, but I, we're like five minutes into this and this is what you're showing me. So I just, I turned it off. I haven't watched it since. Um, otherwise, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty much up on, right now I'm watching Peaky Blinders. Fantastic. And it does have some adult content, but I'm just saying, like, you got to kind of, like, give me something. Something cool's got to happen before you throw in whatever. Nothing happened in that show. Just a little person just runs off with some lady. It's like, this is kind of it's kind of out of left field. We're just kind of getting war. Like, we just met, dude. I just turned on Netflix five seconds ago. My kids just left the bedroom. This could have got way out of hand. Nobody, nobody takes that. In. You know how many, you know how many uncomfortable moments I had when I lived with my grandparents. We're like, oh, let's watch this show. It's like that sounds like a great show. And then we sit and watch it, and I got to sit there uncomfortably with my grandparents because the remote's on the TV and nobody wants to reach for it. And it's like, why does this scene have? First of all, why does this scene exist? I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a prude or anything, but what does it add to the show? I'm not getting anything. I'm not, I'm not watching it for this reason. What the heck is this? It's a television show. Like me and my family, I got grandma right next to me. Do you have any idea how uncomfortable I am? There's no part of me that finds this enjoyable. I don't get it. Who, who, who wants that in their television show? Like, oh man, this is an action show where we like fight and there's like guns and it's a gangster show. Also, we're going to slip this in here. Why? What are you doing? You're trying to get me killed and give me a heart attack. This is so uncomfortable. Like, it's so uncomfortable, I can't even get up and leave the room and pretend I didn't see it. Like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to eat a broccoli sandwich. I'll see you, Grandma. Got to go. I never understood that, ever. Even if I'm by myself, it's like, why? This is this is not interesting to me. I don't know. It's just, that's always annoyed me. It's not, it, it has nothing to do with the story. It's like, oh, yeah, he that gangster shot that other gangster. Also, he's married to his wife. Do you want to see what they're doing in the privacy of their bedroom? No. What are you talking about? What 
What? What is... Anyways. I just think people in Hollywood are perverts. That's the problem. Um, Steven says, what is your take on JK being released? Um, we've talked about it a lot. My take on JK being released is that I'm nervous. Um, the guy that we brought in seems kind of good. His first several years were bad with Buffalo, but last year seemed quite good. He can kick it 75 plus yards or whatever, which is great. Um, I'm concerned that he's not going to live up to that, that he's going to come in and there's going to be issues. And even more of a concern is that he's going to come in and there's going to be holding issues for Mason Crosby. And that's not very good. So um, I, I guess my whole thing is I want to be excited that this guy's going to be a freak. I do. I'm more concerned that he's going to be a liability. Because as much as everybody hated J.K. Scott because we used a draft pick on him and he didn't make a tackle, which is not the punter's job, um, but for whatever random reason, he was extremely hated. Um, his floor wasn't that low. His floor was relatively high, which I liked. He had a couple relatively short punts, but I've seen so many, so many worse punters. The biggest issue we've had with this special teams by far is our our guy's ability to get down the field and tackle and our guy's ability to block and return punts and kicks, which is zero. Nobody has any ability, but we're going to take it out on J.K. Scott. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that this guy's a great punter. It would, be, it would be cool. I mean, he's a young guy. He just got picked up a couple years ago. If he ends up being like a legit, like a Mason Crosby version of a punter and we can have him for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever, pff, sweet, totally worth it. I'm just, I'm just nervous that he's going to be terrible, but we'll see. Uh, Dakota says, happy birthday to the little Miss Pack Daddy. Thank you very much. What are your expectations for the offense and defense? Again, we kind of went over this a little bit as well. That's from 1265. Um, the offense I expect to be good. There's really no reason it should regress unless people just are not in rhythm. But everything we saw from training camp seems like they're 100% just ready to go. Everybody that is anybody is just 100% ready to go. Um, the defense, a little bit more iffy. I, I think there's every reason to believe that it's going to improve. But there's also a couple variables, number one being anybody can regress. Jair, Amos, Savage, um, uh, Zadarius could further regress, although I doubt it. Um, Kenny may or may not get any better than he did last year, which was not a great year. Um, so there, there's plenty of that. Plus, there's the whole scheme factor. So it's such a wide range of what could happen. If, if a lot of people regress and the scheme is not great, the, the defense is going to get way worse, and it's going to be a terrible defense. If everybody plays to their full potential and the scheme is better than, this defense could be easily top five. So it could be anywhere from like a bottom 10 to a top five defense. So I don't know. I just look at it based on the standpoint of the actual talent of these guys because not every defense has this much skill. That's the only reason I'm so optimistic about it. I'm, I'm realistic in the fact that anything could happen. But I'm optimistic because the level of talent that's there has just never really been maximized. I think 2019 was close. Um, but, you know, not even that, that. Even that. I mean, you know, again, Jair, Savage, Amos, um, a lot of these guys, they kind of peaked 
in 2020. If they can hold that and we get Kenny and we get linebackers to do something halfway competent and maybe our number two corner, you know what I'm saying? It's asking a lot to have everybody play at their best, but but um, it's just, it's an unbelievable unit. And, and the scheme could be incredibly beneficial as well if this is the right scheme for the same reason that I think a lot of the top defenses really don't have that many skill players. They don't have that much elite talent, even the Rams. They got some good corners. They got Aaron Donald. The rest of that defensive line is trash. Their edge rushers are trash. Their linebackers are trash. Their safeties are mediocre. Number one defense in football. You don't have to have perfection at every position to dominate. You don't need that. Um, You just need people that know how to put the guys in the right position, utilize the talent. And, and, and again, if we can maximize the talent that we have, we have way more talent than that. We have talent at corner. We have talent at safety. We have talent at defensive tackle. We have talent on both sides of, of the, the edge rush spectrum. The amount of things that we can do, even Tampa, Tampa's defense was, it's like, they don't have that many great players. They've got an edge guy who is not as good as our edge guys, they had some guys like Sue and and whatever, some defensive tackle talent, but everybody was overhyped. The corners were overrated. The safeties were overrated. They do have one really good uh, linebacker, but it's not like every single position is just super stacked with superstars. That's not the reality. Their defensive coordinator just knew exactly, they got exactly the right guys for their scheme, used them in exactly the right way, incredibly intelligent defense, and just dominated everybody. So that's that's that is the biggest factor that we got to figure out. Daniel says, "Hey." So so that's what Daniel says. Um Lupe says, "What do you think about um <laughs> I don't know if you just didn't finish the sentence, but what do I think about? I think about vacations a lot. Um I think about what I'm doing right now a lot. Um it's about it. I think sometimes about retirement and how much I could get done if I you know, was able to do this stuff full-time, stuff like that. Zachary Spies says, possible crazy take. What if we use Elton Jenkins' versatility to our advantage? Playing Aaron Donald, Jenkins plays guard, playing Nick Bosa, Jenkins plays right tackle. It's not a bad idea. I've never really heard of that being done, but it does make sense. Yeah, I'll roll with that. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think even you think that's going to happen, but it is It is interesting. That's another one of those things where it's like, I wish I could get on the horn with one of these beat writers and be like, just, just ask them real quick if they would ever consider doing that. I know it's hard because it's like, you want to, you want to put a guy in a spot and just let him really learn it and dominate it. But like you said, it it makes, when you're talking about Nick Bosa and Aaron Donald, I'm sorry that you've been comfortable at left guard. We're putting you at tackle because you're going up against, you know, Khalil Mack and I would rather have you there and no offense to Billy, but you need to move, sir. Eric Munn says, when using someone like Zedarius as an example, is it really a drop-off if they start getting double teams? So he blows up one year, and the next year he's consistent. See, here's the problem with saying that, though. He was double teamed in 2019 as well. Um, I don't know the exact numbers. I don't remember the exact numbers, but he was double teamed then as well. Um, But again, the, the biggest thing is going to be having a defensive coordinator. It's not really worth squabbling about how much he was double teamed. The point is we need a defensive coordinator that says, if you're going to double team our guy, you, you just screwed yourself. You a hundred percent screwed yourself because you're taking yourself out of the fight. You can't allocate two of your resources on one guy because that frees me up everywhere else. And I think part of the problem is Patton was so 
focused on just rushing four all the time, you could do that. You got five guys, you allocate two over here, one over there to Preston, who wasn't doing anything, one over here to Kenny, who's not doing anything, and one over here to Tyler Lancaster, who's just a run defender, and we're going to just choke you out. It's 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 not a big problem. Um, but if, if we got a new defensive coordinator that says, by the way, we're blitzing a ton, it might be the slot guy, it's probably going to be a linebacker because we bring those guys a ton, um, if you start double teaming Zadarius, we're going to kill you for that. And, and especially when you t- start talking about all the stunts and twists and things like that. The thing that Tampa Bay did a lot and, and defenses like that and, and the Rams do very, very, very well is they dictate to the offense and they say, we tell you what your coverage is going to be. And, and so that's one of those things, and Coach Hahn talks about this a lot. You bring up a linebacker so that it, now they, they're forced to play man just because of the numbers. You have to man up because we got just enough guys to cover these guys. And now that, we're, now that we know you're playing man because we just forced you into man blocking, now we can control the situation. The fact that they were able to dictate to us basically the entire time last year and double-team our guys all the time was just petting, saying this is what we're going to do because this is what we're going to do, rather than saying if you're going to do that, we're going to kill you. So hopefully we see a little bit more of that. And yeah, if, if, if there's no question whether it was, whether you want to call it a drop-off or not, the, the point is there was a drop-off. And if it was largely because of double teams, which is going to cause anybody to drop off, then um, then we're, we're, we're going to take advantage of that because that's, that's a tell, right? We know that you're going to take those two guys and put them over there. And now again, using our mathematical skills, we know that you have only these three guys left allocated to our three guys over here. And if I bring a guy over here, that messes you up. And if I bring a guy over here, that messes you up. So we, we got to start doing a better job of dictating to them. And I just felt like our defense last two years has always been very, call it defensive. And I would like an offense that's a little bit more, or a defense that's a little bit more offensive. We tell you what to do. We attack. You defend. You defend against our defense. Um, let's see. Let's scroll up in case I didn't miss it. Oh, you're just, it's just getting rid of comments here. Wow. I got to hurry up. Oh, I just missed one. It's not saving the comments. What did somebody say? Uh, Somebody said happy birthday to my daughter. Thank you very much for that. I got to hurry up. Um, N letterly says, is buying a smoker worth it? Or is it a burden to have, uh, to smoke something every weekend? I mean, if you don't want to smoke something every weekend, maybe don't get one. Man, cool it with the comments. Um, Jason, if I don't get it to you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm losing the comments. are coming in too fast. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be every weekend. I'm The smoker's cool, but it's... Let's be completely honest. It's a glorified oven. That's what it is. And that's what a lot of people with stick burners and everything else will tell you. And it's when I first wanted one, I was like, you're an idiot. That's not true. It kind of is. It's an outdoor oven. You set it to 350 degrees and you cook it, right? Well, except you're doing usually low and slow, whatever. But that's what it is. And it just infuses smoke. So you smoke, you add some smoke, and then you just cook it like it's in an oven. Um, I'm I'm kind of excited to move on a little bit. Like I like the charcoal grill for that reason because it's it's not like that. It's a completely different kind of thing. I just can't do low and slow. So my next thing that I want to do for next year is to get a a drum a a drum smoker, a ugly drum smoker or whatever, a, a barrel. You put some charcoal in it and it's just it's smoking actual charcoals and you control it with the vents and all that stuff and it's just infused with such a ridiculous amount of smoke. Um, that it's a little bit more like actual smoking than 
than with these things. But I do love it. I think it tastes delicious. Plus, it's just the idea of cooking outside, which is really nice. Um, cook in the house, it just fills everything up with smoke. You can kind of just leave it out there. Um, overnight smoking is kind of cool. I don't want to do that in my house, but I'll, I'll put something on overnight and just let it sit out there. So um, I'm really upset that I'm losing all these comments here. I probably, if, if I don't answer your question, just throw it in the bottom. Um, so I don't know. I'm, 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 I still like it. I just want to kind of expand my, my repertoire at this point because that's just kind of how I feel about it at this point. It's, it's smoke in my oven. Um, zero F's given says if Aaron Rodgers gets injured or retires, the Packers get nothing. We need to toss love to the sharks and see if he can swim. Um, if Aaron Rodgers gets injured, we don't get nothing. His trade value is still going to be very high unless he's just, his career is over. Um, in which case, you're right, we do get... I, I don't know. Look, it, it, the bottom line is we're committing to a last hurrah here. They're not going to just get rid of um, Aaron Rodgers and say, you're, you're, we're going to table you and play Jordan Love because they, they want to win a Super Bowl. They also are committed to bringing him back. I, I do think that that's true. I don't know how that's going to work salary cap-wise, but I, I do think they want to convince him to come back after this year because they realize how fantastic he is in the scheme and how well everything seems to be working. Um, if he retires, yeah, well then, then we're in trouble. So I, I, I see your point. Um, and I, I kind of was with you for a long time in terms of, we need to get the value. We need to get the maximum amount of value. And I hope we can get it. I really do. I mean, if Rogers doesn't come back, I hope we can trade him and get, you know, the three first round picks and, and really do some damage to essentially rebuild this team, which is what we're going to need to do. Um, but it is what it is. I, I, you know, I can't be on board. I understand the logic of it, but it's, we're just kind of operating from fear at that point. We're throwing in the towel saying, forget it, give up on the championships. Let's just fail with love this year. And then uh, next year we'll get a bunch of picks and maybe try to replace them. I don't know. Uh, YouTube algo algorithm kept suggesting Oz clips. And I said, forget it. I'm currently on season. Oh, Oz. Yeah. I never really watched Oz either. I know that was popular. I never got into it. Uh, Goose says, I'm 200% on board with what you're saying. Uh, like the gratuitous long scene on Top Gun, go watch that with your parents and guardians. So uh, we're obviously getting to that part of the, the conversation. I just, I don't know, man. I never understood it. There's never been a time, uh, I shouldn't say never, but uh, forget it. We'll skip it. But you, you get what I'm saying. I, I just, I, I don't sit down and, and watch watch a show and it's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is great. This adds to the, to the experience. It doesn't. It's like, okay, I get it. Like, I, I don't need to see it. I know what's going on. I got it. They're, they, those two are an item now. That's part of the story. Understood. I don't need to watch it. Are you talking about Peaky Blinders? What did I say? Yes, I mean Peaky Blinders. Uh, he you get tickets to the Saints game yet says Street King. Uh, no, and I don't think I'm going to. I would love to. I really would. I think if I was a single guy, I would. But when you factor in plane ticket, rental car, and two nights in a hotel, um, it would be cheaper to just go to like a $200 Packer game. Um, plus, just, you know, leaving your family and everything. Scott says, watching the feed just... Ah, see, I lost it. I'm losing them. 1265, I feel pretty... Cu- you guys got to slow down. Is Mike Pettin on the hot seat this year? <laughs> yeah. 
Travis says, Ryan, what's up? Uh, pray for Louisiana. Do we know who the Saints are going to start at quarterback? We do. Absolutely pray for Louisiana. Um, tough times out there. It's terrible that they keep going through that. Um, yes, they're starting Jameis Winston. That's the plan. And um, I'm not mad about it. Uh, Jason Miller with a $5 super chat. Thank you very much. To help the kid's birthday and the next meet for the smoker. Enjoy. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I've got the, uh, the pork butt again. I, I bought five of them. I'm supposed to give two of them away to Blaine, but if he doesn't come pick them up, I'm just going to cook them. Um, but I bought five of them, and I got to keep going. I'll be—I've made three so far. None of them have been perfect. All three have been like it's real good, but you know the first one was great, like with bark and everything else. But it was a little dry. Um, the second one, I cooked a little bit higher temperature, and the moisture and the texture of the meat was incredible. But there wasn't a lot of bark because it wasn't sitting in the smoke for very long. Um, and then the third one was not quite, it was it was juicy, wasn't as tender as I would like, and the bark was almost too, too set. I didn't wrap it at all. I just kind of left it go the whole time. And it, the bark was great, but it was like you could peel off the whole bark and it was like one piece. And it just, so haven't quite got that perfect thing yet. Um, it's Jameis. Yep. If we have a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense, that should equal a conference championship bid. It should, uh, you know, there's going to be a couple other teams that are in that same category, but yeah, um, it definitely should. Street King says, I'll be there trying to make a ruckus while he trying to call plays. Let's hope we show up and get that home field away advantage. Yeah, man. Um, so the other, the other comment that I wanted to bring up and I, I actually paused the podcast because I didn't want to skip it so I could refer back to it. Maybe I'll talk about it on the podcast for tomorrow or the next day or whatever because um, I haven't listened to it, but there was a guy who did a study with some corporation or whatever. This was on the CBS football podcast or whatever, and they were talking about home field advantage, and he kind of said home field advantage is a little bit overrated. There isn't that much of a home field advantage. Um, depending on the sport, some sports, there's more than other. Soccer, I think they said, is the biggest home field or the lowest. I don't really remember. But um, they said the biggest thing with football is just noise. It's not so much the home field advantage. It's, it's dependent entirely on noise. So if you're a quiet stadium, no home field advantage. If you are a really loud, you know, like 12th man it, back in the day with the Seahawks, massive advantage. And what they actually said, and this, this matters a lot to Packer fans because of the whole discussion, some people got mad when we all started talking about you need to be making noise on defense, you need to be quiet on offense. Um, you know, how dare you tell me how to be a fan? And I paid for these tickets. Listen, what he said is it's like a two point advantage for the team, which doesn't seem like much, but you're, you're giving your own team two points. If you can just make noise when you're supposed to make noise and be quiet when you're on offense, you're, you're, you're showing up and you're gifting your team a safety. So it matters. Absolutely. If you're going, man, go make some noise. Um, this is the last year for Adams. We need to get it now. So he's still on that same thing. I I don't know about that. If, if Rodgers is gone, Adams stays. So you got to pick a lane. It's not both. Travis says, excited to see Cobb in LaFleur's system. Eh, maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I, again, like you're saying, in the system, maybe. I'm just not sure how much I buy into Cobb anymore. I mean, he hasn't been good since, what, like 2015, 2016? It's been a while since he's been a real dominant wide receiver. Um, 
but we'll see. You know, it's kind of like Rodgers. It was kind of like a, he might be done, and then he gets into the system, and it was great. So we'll see. Um, we're still on that same discussion there. It's probably the right thing to do. Uh, good night, Packers world. Wish I could share this. Whatever, Mark. Good night. Uh, I would bet my life savings that we won't pay Jair. You can make that bet with me. Are you saying that we're not going to pay Jair just in general, or are you responding to somebody else? Because Jair is 100% getting paid. I don't know. Why, why do you think we have zero money? Rodgers is gone, Devontae is gone, and Jair are gone? That's ridiculous. We're, of course, paying Jair. There is zero chance. Jair will get paid before Rodgers and Devontae. Jair is getting paid. He's the best corner in football, and he's like 23, 24 years old, 25. I don't know how old he is, but come on, man. You're getting a little carried away. Um, Goose says, then the next year we got to pay Jenkins. Scary and Savage get fifth-year options. Um, Again, if if Rodgers goes, it solves almost all of these problems. But if he doesn't, that's when it's like, all right, what are we going to do? Um, Mike says, my concern is that the defense will be similar to Capers D and that it allows big plays. So that is kind of the concern. That's what coach Hahn kind of alluded to in terms of it's a little bit more high risk, high reward. You're going to see the big plays There's going to be more blitzing, but that's going to mean you're going to give up a couple more big plays. The good thing is we have a secondary that should be able to mitigate that. Now, Kevin King makes me nervous, but in general, they should be able to mitigate that a little bit. So better than Dom Capers' defense insofar as we have better resources. That's also one of the things that I had wished that we had done has been more aggressive up front because we got the back end to cover it a little bit more. You're going to give up some, but it's better to be more hit and miss. Rather than just getting slowly bled down the field on every drive, let them march down the field in five plays and get a touchdown one time and then get a pick six on the next drive. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll take that trade off. Because at the end of the day, if you're getting stops every other drive, while, you're, while your offense is scoring two out of three drives, you win the football game, right? It's pretty simple and straightforward that way. Um, I'm also concerned because we did see that in the preseason. And again, preseason is a little bit more quote-unquote vanilla. Um, so we'll see if this is exactly how this goes. But there did seem to be a good amount of aggression, aggression, aggression. And then it's third down. All right, everybody back off. And then, of course, they convert. Didn't matter if it was third and two, third and 20, whatever. They converted all their third downs because, for some reason, we gave up everything that we were doing that worked, right? It all worked. We brought pressure. The quarterback didn't have time. He couldn't throw all these things. And then we abandoned it. That was classic capers. I felt more comfortable on third and five than I did on third and 15. Because third and five, they'd run it. We could stop the run a good portion of the time. Third and 15, we wouldn't bring pressure. We would drop everybody back. They'd find the hole in the zone because they'd have five minutes to throw the ball, and they'd find it, and they'd convert, and it just drove me nuts. So I hope that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. They're all making bets in the comments section. All these guys you want to keep can be paid if trading error. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm saying. If you get rid of Aaron Rodgers, they can get paid. If you don't, then, yeah, we do have some problems. But even so, Jair stays. Um, I don't see how Matt Stafford comes in and dominates right away. It took Rodgers a year with the same team to get on the same page. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have to dominate. He just needs to be better than Goff. Um, Also, I think Goff took off in that first year under the system. So, um, And Rodgers wasn't bad the first year. He improved compared to what he was in 2018. He didn't dominate until that second year. So 
Yeah, I don't I don't know if he's going to be like MVP caliber, but I would say that he's going to be an improvement over golf would be my expectation. Maybe not. I don't know. All right. What else have we got going on here? Um, if it's Capers 2.0, the whole front office needs to be fired. Well, I'm not going to do that because um, the front offices are the guys that are drafting all these people, and I like the way that they draft. Um, but I, I would be quite frustrated at two swing and miss opportunities at defensive coordinator. That would be very annoying. And it's not just two. I mean, it's been... When was a, who was the last really good defensive coordinator? I bet I don't even know his name. Well, it would have been Dom, I guess, in his prime for a very brief period of time. Um, but a lot of that also had to do with... It, it was Dom and his scheme kind of working, but it was also just being stacked with talent. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I honestly think, this is from Street King, I honestly think our problem won't be the defense this year. I'm calling it number one D in the NFL this year. I mean, listen, if Joe Barry is sort of the cutting-edge defense, if he's bringing what the Rams are doing and what Fangio is doing and kind of what Tampa or whatever's doing, you know, if if this is sort of the cutting-edge defense, the same way Matt LaFleur is bringing that style of defense or that style of offense to the Green Bay Packers, it's entirely possible for the exact same reason I just said. If you take the Matt LaFleur, Shanahan, McVay system, and you put a guy like Goff in there, Goff goes from a terrible quarterback to a good quarterback. You take guys that are not very good, you make them great. You take Matt Ryan, who's good, you make him an MVP player. You take a guy like Rodgers, though, and this is what I said prior to that season. If he takes a second-year leap, if he really embraces this system, there's no limit to how elite he can be. And we saw that that very year. Same with the defense. We have the talent. And I and like I've been saying, I think we have a better roster than a lot of these really good defenses have. But if we can just bring the right scheme, these guys can execute it in a way that a lot of other teams can't. So I wouldn't take the bet that they're going to be the number one defense, but that's how you could see getting to that point. Um, I miss Wisconsin pig roast, says Nate. I've never been to a pig roast. I know they do a big, what is that, uh, is it North Carolina or South Carolina that's real big on the pig roast? I don't remember. I know my dad used to talk about when he was younger, they used to have like block parties and they would do a pig roast. I've never seen one. I've never been to one. Um, but yeah, it sounds sounds pretty good. It sounds like you just roast it and you collect all the meat and you chop it up all in like one big thing. It sounds like it'd be good. I don't know. Uh, Paula says, when winning a game by a substantial lead, do you think Packers coaches will decide to utilize backup Jordan Love in a different way than they utilize backup Tim Boyle? e.g. more opportunities earlier in the game, fewer kneel downs, etc. Well, there's kind of two ways that that works, right? Um, you typically are going to bring your backup out to kneel down if the game's over. So if you, if the game's still on the line and then you finally get that first down or whatever, and, and the other team essentially can't win if you just kneel it down, then you run them out there and kneel it down. The other situation, and they would do this with Tim Boyle as well, is if you're up by, let's just say something silly, 30 points, at the conclusion of, so let's say it's uh, uh, 37 to 7, and the third quarter just ended. Tim Boyle or Jordan Love would come out in the fourth quarter and would play the rest of the game. And maybe it would be before that, but I just, I don't want it to be so close. People would say, I don't know, they could technically come back. Let's just rule that out. If it's, if it's so massive that you can't imagine them possibly coming back, that's when you trot out Jordan Love. So I don't know that it's necessarily a different philosophy. Um, 
But I do understand your point of wanting to emphasize, let's let's give them an opportunity. But the Packers will never um, give them an opportunity that could possibly lead to a loss. He won't step foot on the field if there's, if in their mind, a chance that they could come back and win, would be my thought. Um, zero F's given, says no way will be number one defense, top 15, maybe. So zero is just in a very bad mood today. Travis says top five. Goose says capers flashbacks are real. But Goose, by the way, um, happy anniversary. Uh, no matter how people didn't like him, Petten was a big step up from capers. He was a big step up from capers, but yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't working. Uh, definitely top five. Do do do. I saw on Twitter says twelve sixty five. I saw on Twitter people arguing whether Green Bay or Kansas City's roster is better. And maybe I'm just being a homer, but I think it's Green Bay. Everyone else thought that was crazy. See, yeah, and that's that's the thing. That's where, again, people just, they know Kansas City's one of the best teams in football, and that's all they know. They don't know anything about that team. Uh, on top of that, they got some big names that are overrated. Um, let me just pull it up real quick. Uh, let's, Chiefs. They've got a couple big names that people know about. Um, one of them, and I know he's not there anymore. He's a Viking now, but Bashad Breeland was a name everybody thought was great. He was so subpar, it was unbelievable. Um, but uh, see, even even that guy that I was thinking of apparently is gone. So on the team, they got Tyreek Hill. They got um, Pat Mahomes. They got Travis Kelsey. That's the biggest thing in the team. Now, remember... They had two of the best, they got one of the best tackle duos in football, and both of their tackles are gone. The offensive line isn't that great. They got Creed Humphrey this year. We don't know if he's going to be any good. They went and got Orlando Brown, who was a right tackle. They're moving him over to left tackle, see if he can handle that. We have no idea if he can. Um, so they, they got a bunch of question marks here. We got to see how it all plays out. They've been investing a lot in it. Lucas Nyang, who was a third round pick, Trey Smith, who was a sixth round pick uh, in this draft class. Joe Thune, who was for New England, they brought over, and Orlando Brown they bought, brought over, right? So it's a lot of big names, but I don't trust that this is going to be a dominant team. Um, the other thing that cracks me up, Tyreek Hill. Who's the best wide receiver next to Tyreek Hill? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. So why do the Packers always get so much hate? Because they have Devontae and apparently nobody. Who do they have outside of Tyreek Hill? Well, they got Travis Kelsey. I'm talking about wide receiver. Why don't they draft a wide receiver? They only got one. Don't know. So again, you got one wide receiver, you got a quarterback, you got a tight end. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is unbelievably overrated. I did a top five running back, top five rookie running back list last year. I I think he was like number five on the list. Um, Massively overrated. He wasn't as high as as A.J. Dillon was. Um, On defense, Chris Jones is very, very good. Otherwise, Frank Clark is stupid overrated stupid overrated. He's he's barely, he's, I would call him average. Um, Jerron Reed is fine. Derek Nottie is fine. Not super elite. Um, the linebackers are not good. The cornerbacks are terrible. And um, the safeties are Armani Watts, Daniel Sorensen, uh, Juan Thornhill. So if you had to, Packers have a better offensive line. If you wanted to say Pat Mahomes is better, fine, but it's not by very much. If you want to say Tyreek is better than Devontae, uh, that's silly, but fine. They don't have... So 
In reality, the Packers wide receivers are better. The Packers offensive line is better. The Packers running backs are better. They do have a better tight end than we have. The quarterback is at best a tie. The defensive line I'll give to them because of Chris Jones, assuming Kenny Clark does not bounce back. The edge rushers, the Packers are better. The linebackers, fine, I'll say Nick Bolton because they drafted him maybe is better, but just because I don't trust any of our guys. Our corners are better. Our safeties are better. It just is what it is. I know they're a good football team, but they don't have as good of a roster. That's just, that's not even debatable to me. (sighs) All right. I don't know about the edge rusher thing, but our secondary will be second to none if placed in the position to succeed. That is true. Uh, Seems like we rarely hear Nathaniel Hackett's name despite the Packers having a great offense. Obviously, LaFleur calls the plays, but there are any metric or rating system that might tell us how good or bad he actually is. I don't think so. Um, And the biggest, I don't know, I I don't want to downplay it because obviously, I mean, Matt LaFleur wants him there and he seems to be doing a great job. But I mean, he was the offensive coordinator, I think, for Jacksonville when they were garbage. So, I mean, and and he ran a different, I think he was more like, was it Air Coriel or something he ran a lot of? So it's a different style of offense, but for whatever reason, it's working. Um, Let's see. If King is bad and Stokes isn't ready, a vet... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Al Pastor tacos made with pork butt tomorrow. Spent all evening slice. Dude, I love Al Pastor tacos. I've been making tacos all the time. That's that's my new obsession is to take... So I, I when I make the pork butt, I got the Al Pastor, and then there's the other one with like the, the pork chops, but it's pork loin. I chop it up and I put those in them. Um, I made the pork loin last time, so I've been making a ton of that. But just, you know, you got the corn tortillas. I fry them up. Um, and then I got the salsa verde, got some hot sauce. I put the meat in there. I don't have cilantro and I don't put onion on my stuff, but it's just, it just rocks my world. Um, are you spritzing with apple cider vinegar? I didn't catch the second part of that, but yes, I am. I haven't noticed too much of a difference. I know the one time, um, the first time I did it, I think I noticed it started to get really dried out and I used it and it seemed to help, but I don't know. All right. I think Adam stays. A lot of comments today. I can't even get caught up. Let's skip ahead a little bit here. A lot of conversations going on. Boomers going to boom. Random. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys to hold the internal chatter if possible, because I'm going to have to call it if I'm just going to be reading your guys' conversations to each other. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. 
So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com what are the odds we pick up clay matthews zero um yes everybody in the comment street king says negative a thousand percent dakota says it's zero zero all of that is true um clay will have a second wind zero we are not on the same page today man (laughs) what what do you think about the death of floyd mayweather i didn't know he died Sorry, I guess I'm not I'm not, I'm not up on things. I didn't know Floyd. When did he die? Was that a while ago? Keep showing Junior. I don't know. Maybe that was a while ago. I yeah, I don't know. I, death is sad, so I don't know what what other things I can elaborate on. All right. Any comments to me, or are you guys just hanging out with each other? Thanks, Ryan. Planning to have a day of it tomorrow. Perfect weekend. No football on, so good day to do whatever with the wife. Oh, yeah, that was the uh, happy anniversary comment. Breland is washed, says Gooseby, Gooseby. He is. See, and the thing is, again, the Chiefs' defense did well, and that was a prime example, and this was like two years ago. The Chiefs' defense did a really good job, despite not having a ton of really good talent. But Breland was there. He was their number one cornerback, and everybody knows his name, so everybody freaked out. And I kept saying, he's not that good. He really is not that good. And then he got like a pick in the Super Bowl, and they won the Super Bowl, and everyone freaked out. Like, oh, you said he wasn't good. Okay, he got one pick. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot, I guess. Because everybody that gets one interception is a great player. All right. I thought Breland was okay in his short time here. Definitely somewhat overrated. Yeah, he okay is a decent way to put it. I mean, Breland is a guy where if we had him now, I wouldn't be super mad just because I feel like... He, you set the floor, you know what I mean? Breland's just kind of, he kind of reminds me of Chandon a little bit. Chandon's never going to be an elite player, but at least it's like, I'm not really worried about it. Breland is, I'm a little bit more worried about, but not maybe as much as King, but he has, he has really no upside. He's never going to be a dominant player in any way. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan. Uh, Tyreek Hill is going to be washed once he loses a half, 100%. He's a guy that relies 100, uh, I shouldn't say 100%, but 90% of what he does is his speed. And if he loses his speed, he's he's useless, which is great with guys like Devontae because for him, it's all about a craft. It's an art. It's mental. It's it's all these kinds of things. It's not speed. 
Um, he'll beat guys down the field that he's not faster than any of them. Uh, Dakota says Miko Hardman, LOL. I'm assuming you're saying that's their really good number two. It's He's not. He's not that good. I mean, in comparison to like Alan Lazard and MVS, he's in line maybe. Um, the Giants are so much better than you guys, clown. Yeah, Giants are great. <laughs> it's it's funny when when a team is so bad it doesn't even offend you when they like start throwing shade. And and by the way, I've been kind of high on the Giants. I do like the Giants. I think they're going to be better than. And every time I predict a team's going to be better than people think, I'm always wrong. I'm right about a lot of stuff, but every time I'm like, I don't know, I'd watch that team, never listen to me. Just trust me, they're going to be a bad team. So Giants, I just cursed because I said that they're going to be good. But yeah, it's that is fun. like Giants, Jets, Lions, Bears. Bears a little bit because it's the Bears. You got to be a little upset when they start throwing shade. But it's like, that doesn't even hurt my feelings. It's such a ridiculous thing to say. Um, Even if we started Nick Foles this year, we'd take the division. Bear Nation. <laughs> again that, that that one gets me a little bit more because you're a bear fan and i just want to just trash you but i kind of know you're joking at least i you're joking or you're mentally ill so either way i can't be too mad at you the packers are so overrated who's overrating the packers that doesn't even make sense <laughs> uh look how well mahomes does when he spends the whole time sprinting from a front that's about to lay him out impressive sure but it only goes so far uh, Zach put down the bong. All right, now they're fighting with Giants fans and Bears fans. <sighs> Rodgers is about to leave y'all for the Raiders, LMAO. It, even if he does, you're still not going to be any good. You, you've got, you picked a bum quarterback, so what does it matter? <laughs> and, and not only that, you picked a quarterback that um, in the preseason hasn't looked very good because he doesn't have any protection. He's about to get ruined. He's about to get completely ruined. He, he's going to be Joe Burrow. The guy is going to get destroyed behind that offensive line. Uh, you're not going to be able to run the ball because your offensive line is trash, because your GM is trash and doesn't know how to draft anybody. And even if he did, he doesn't use any of his draft picks. Your offensive line is trash. You've got no wide receivers except one guy that is begging to get out of there. Your defense is getting worse every single year. Third year in a row, you got a new defensive coordinator. Um Khalil Mack had his worst year of his entire career last year. Akeem Hicks is begging to leave the team. I know he said he wanted a contract extension because he realized he's not going anywhere and he wants to get a contract. So now he's saying, oh, no, I want to finish my career here. Trust me, if you don't pay him, he's going to be begging to get off the team once again. He doesn't want to be there. By the way, he hasn't had a dominant year since 2018 either. You have no corners. Your your one safety is massively overrated. He got paid because of one good year. He hasn't done that since. And the only reason he did so well is because he got a bunch of picks that's really the only thing. Um, so even if the guy plays well, he's going to get completely ruined. So you start whatever quarterback you want. You live whatever fantasy you want. I know you guys love to just think that, hey, if if Aaron Rodgers, man, if he goes to the you guys are done. Dude, you're done. It doesn't matter. It just means we're going to suck just like you suck, and the whole division's going to suck. And the Vikings will probably end up winning the division, not because they're good, but just because they're better than everybody else. But we still have a better group than you. So we're still going to be better than you. So, whatever. You guys are just hilarious. Every year, you got to understand, I grew up in Illinois, man. Every year since I've been a kid, I've been hearing the same stuff over and over and over and over. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Do you... (laughs) 
Every year we still have Packer fans that share the, uh, is Trubisky now the best quarterback in the NFC North? We still share that, man, because it's still funny. The Bears are now the king of the North because of Trubisky. We still share those tweets because they're hilarious. You guys were doing it all the way back then. (laughs) And now you're doing it again. The funny thing is, Bear Nation is on here talking trash. I listen to a lot of different Bears guys. There's Bears guys on YouTube who are already pissed because they know that this is a this is an absolute disaster what's happening right now. The, there's Bears Chicago Radio who are mad, who are furious because this is an, a disaster. The way that you guys have allowed this offensive line to completely fall apart, the way that you're handling this quarterback situation with Dalton, what an absolute cluster this has been with having Nick Foles and then bringing in Dalton, who was absolute garbage, like the worst quarterback in football last year for Dallas, bringing him in. And the only way you can bring him in is by promising him he gets to keep the job over Foles. So now Foles doesn't even get an opportunity. Then you bring in Justin Fields. You can't play him. Why? Because you made some promise to Andy Dalton, who's trash, that if you come here because you're so desperate for a quarterback, and why are they desperate for a quarterback? Because they're both about to get fired because they suck at their job. And you're bragging? (laughs) This is your team. And you're bragging. You're funny, dude. You're funny. He's rustling your jimmies. It, I just, it just, I don't know. I, I, he probably is just doing it to get an, a reaction out of me, but it just, it feels good because, I mean, I'm not mad. It feels so good to relive this, to just remember how much the Bears suck again. And, and, and yeah, am I worried about Justin Fields? As a player, I'm worried that they pick the right guy, but they're going to ruin him. So it doesn't matter, right? If you put Aaron Rodgers on the Bears, they're not going anywhere. So what is Justin Fields going to do? So, yeah, I guess. Will I live stream week one against the Saints? I don't think so. I'm planning on doing some streams. I don't think I'm going to do that. Uh, We'll see how it goes, but um, I like to be able to hang out with my son. Might be able to come down here because the rest of the family doesn't super care, but I don't know how everybody's going to feel about that. Maybe we'll come down here, put a TV in here, watch some of the games, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you think you're special meeting nobodies? Do you think you're special meeting nobodies? Zach. Zach's drunk. Uh, Oh, he must be talking to somebody else because Street King is mad. Apparently he met Tiki Barber. Again, if you guys are just going to talk to each other, I'm going to bounce. All right, thinking about what you said in another podcast, I think the Bears are being hyped because Fields is seen as their savior, but I don't think he'd move the needle that much. See, but the, the weird thing about it is they're hyping him, but, but why not hype Trevor Lawrence? Because Trevor Lawrence was the biggest thing ever. And you say, well, it's because Trevor Lawrence hasn't done well. But they never hyped the Jaguars. Even before the preseason, they were hyping Justin Fields and the Bears and how good they're going to be. They never talked about Trevor Lawrence. It was just weird to me. Same with Zach Wilson. Never talked about Zach Wilson being good. Even now. How about Mac Jones, who actually was the best rookie quarterback by a mile of anybody? And he's a Patriot. You you don't hear anybody talking about, oh, man, the Patriots are back, and this is going to be crazy. No, it's Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the guy that's... So, I mean, again, maybe he's going to be real good, and maybe, you know, if you're a Bears fan and you're excited, that's fine. I'm just wondering from a national media standpoint... You got Trey Lance, you got Trevor Lawrence, you got Mac Jones, you got uh, uh, the Jet guy, and there's there's reasons to put all these guys, because all of them except Mac Jones were drafted before 
Justin Fields, and Mac Jones is the number one quarterback in the preseason. So you feel like Justin Fields would be low on that list, maybe maybe ahead of Trey Lance because Trey's had a real rough go of it. But Justin Fields gets the most hype, which is kind of weird to me. And and again, I I get it, except how it compares to everybody else. That's the thing that's very strange to me. And I don't understand it. You say, well, it's because he's having such a great pre, but he's not. He's not. He's he's got an average. I think he had three games. He graded out average all three games um, in the preseason. He's he hasn't done anything bad, but he's not done one thing that was in, incredible. I think that one touchdown pass was the one throw that was like, no, oh, it was a good throw. But it was also one of those throws where you think, I think Kurt Banker probably could have made that throw. You know? So, anyways. Uh, I don't get the down talk on Rashawn. He slayed when he was in. Yeah, I don't know who was talking bad about him, but that's just a common thing. He's never going to get respect unless he gets the actual numbers, like the the true numbers. Like, he needs 10 official sacks, and then people will care. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, he could get... He could play three snaps and get three sacks and nobody would care because he only got three sacks because people aren't paying attention. And and even when you tell them, they don't care because they just, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I don't know how people think. Uh, but that's just the reality. He's never going to get respect. Uh, Bears are being hyped because the city is so trash and they're trying to keep their fans from killing each other in the streets. Yeah, but you could say that about the Jaguars too, except for the killing each other in the streets thing. That is true. The Bears need something to focus on other than that. Bears are the better than the Packers, says Zach, who's apparently has nothing else to say. Um, Bears have not been better than the Packers in a very long time. I think the last time the Bears were better than the Packers is the time that we knocked you out of the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. Would have been the one time. Um, well, 2018 also, but you still you still suck that year too. Let's see. Uh, Zach trying to troll. Yeah, he is. It's fine. People troll. He's a bear. It's his job. I guess you got to give him some credit. He's he's at least trying to stick in there and fight because, I mean, there's nothing really to work with. <laughs> Zach says, okay, fine, you got me well played. Dakota says the chat is cracking me up. Uh, bring the fire, tell him, fire truck. <laughs> because you're a depressed Giants fan. And then Zach's back. He said I got him, or somebody got him, and now he's back saying there's a better team overall. All right, well, I here's here's what I can tell you, man. Start your own podcast and make your own case, because nobody cares in the comment section. And um, one of the common piece of wisdom is never pick a fight with the guy with the microphone, because even if you're right, you're not going to seem right, because I'm the one that controls the conversation. But you're not right, and everybody watching knows that you're not right. Uh, Speaks McGee, do you think MVS will take the next step this year? It would lessen the blow of losing Devontae next year. You know, I went back and when I did my week one thing, I looked at it and I see his grades have been so bad. I mean, I, I forgot how unbelievably bad they are and I forgot how much you want to talk about an overrated player. I talked about a lot of Bears fans and all these guys being overrated. Packer fans massively overrate MVS. They always have. They've always said he's way better than he actually is. I am a little bit optimistic because the reports have been so good about him. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I, 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 if I had to put money down today, I would say no. Not that he doesn't slightly improve, but that he's going to be a legit, like everybody's like, whoa, this guy's really freaking good. Um, I would guess that doesn't happen. I'm hoping that he takes a step because we don't need much. We have enough weapons everywhere. And again, the Packers usually win because they 
spread out. They, they have so much talent in so many different places. Like I said, one week, Devontae wins it for them. The next week, Devontae has a bad day, but Aaron Jones wins it. The next week, Aaron Jones and Devontae aren't there, but Alan Lazard goes off for 120 yards and four touchdowns or something stupid. The next week, Tunyon goes off and wins it, right? The next week, MVS has his one good week of the season. So that's what, what gets it going. And if you get more guys that are more consistent, you're just going to have more ability for that person to step in and win for that week. Whereas, again, MVS is like a once or twice a week, uh, twice a year guy, whereas Devontae's, you know, a 12 games a year kind of guy. If you can bump up MVS to having really good games six or seven times in a year, it's not great. It still doesn't make you a great player, but it would be much more helpful to the team. All right. Um, you guys are the same guys I thought Saquon was going to make y'all elite. Yeah, Saquon... I mean, he got hurt, but still. Again, I, I, I like the Giants a little bit, but they still have too many weaknesses. I mean, the, the, the fact that they don't have anybody off the edge and the corners are, are a massive problem. And, and it's also one of those things, too, where you look at it and say, they should already be better than they are. And that kind of makes you nervous because you start to wonder about the coaching staff and things like that, the, uh, the general just tone of the team. You know, when you're looking at a team and you're saying, I like the players they have, I mean, the Packers kind of fall into that category as well where you just look at them and you look at the quality of the players and you say, I feel like you should be better than this, and you're just not. Um, so that that gives me pause with the Giants, but I'm still curious because I think uh, Daniel Jones is better than he gets credit for, and if you can get the guy some weapons, which he actually has now with Galladay, if you get Saquon healthy, if the offensive line can be more consistently you know, playing, I like their defensive line. Again, they still need more off the edge. I don't remember in the draft who they got. I think they got somebody off the edge. I don't know, but we got to see what happens there. So they've got some pieces. I still think they have too many holes to be a real force, but I also think they have enough really good pieces where they can surprise some people and make a run at the division um, in a way that most people probably aren't expecting. But they're probably still not going to be super great. And no, they're not better than the Packers, and I think he knows that. Uh, No need to bring depression into this. He's already a Giants fan. Did I do that? I'm sorry. All right. We're the best right now by far, says Bear Nation. All right, that's fine. Congratulations. Who's who's running back? You talking about the Green Bay Packers? You have to be talking to somebody. See, that's the thing. If you're talking to the Giants guy, it's Saquon. If you're talking about us, it's Aaron Jones. Both of those guys are way better than Montgomery. So, come on, man. Come on, dude. <laughs> And that's how you know a guy's trolling. When you, that would be like going up to a Packer fan and being like, who's your wide receiver, bro? Who's, yeah, tell me. Tell me who your wide receiver is. Name one pass rusher you got. Name one. Give me one. Come on. <laughs> uh, A.J. Dillon is the definition of garbage. He played one game last year. You know what it was? It was the Titans, and he played better than Derrick Henry. How is he the definition of garbage? He graded out better than uh, Montgomery did. See, this is the thing. Bears fans think Montgomery is the greatest thing in the world. They do this with all their guys. Bears fans are, are funny because Packer fans sometimes do this where they overhype certain guys, but they're also very critical of a lot of guys. Bears fans love their players, and they hype up guys, and very rarely do they pan out. Who is, who is the guy that's a Texan now, that, that slot guy? He was going to be the next coming of, of whoever, the greatest wide receiver in the history of the world, Anthony Miller or whatever. He's going to be so good. He was trash. He was hot garbage. 
right? So all the time, they keep bringing in these guys, and oh, he's going to be so good. They got a new wide receiver now who's the number two that's going to be great. And Montgomery came in, and he's going to be great, and he hasn't done very much. And Trubisky came in, and he's going to be great, and he was hot garbage. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And so just it's crazy that you guys haven't figured it out yet that maybe we should just pump the brakes and wait until they actually accomplish something as opposed to like making one spectacular catch and then we all freak out about it. Which again, Packer fans do with guys like MVS and uh, Geronimo Allison and whatnot, but you guys do it with like everybody. Definition of garbage. What are you talking about? Again, go watch Tennessee. That's the only game he played all year aside from a couple snaps. He basically led the NFL in elusiveness. So I don't know. (sighs) <sighs> you guys are funny, man. I'm glad you showed up, though. It's, it's injecting a little bit of life into this. It's I'm having fun. I, I enjoy doing that. I, I love just making fun of... I, I, the reason I like doing it is because we're on top, right? If we were a trash team and I had, like, you know, if I was a Lions podcast and I had Packer fans in here, I'd probably be miserable. Or I would probably just acknowledge it because it's reality and be like, yeah, you're better. Welcome to the stream. Got it. Anyways, back to how we're building our team to not suck one day. All right. Snow says, is Rashawn Gary legit? Got to figure out what legit means. I think Rashawn Gary is a good pass rusher, but I still think he's raw, which is why he's not getting the snaps that he needs. I'm hopeful that um, they're going to unleash him a little bit because I think he's going to get the stats. So I, I, what I think will actually probably happen with Rashawn, if I, let, here's my hot take. I think he's going to go from being underrated to overrated. I think what's going to happen if he gets the opportunities is that he's going to get a ton of snaps He's going to get a ton of pressures. He's going to get a ton of sacks, but he's going to grade out kind of poorly. His run defense is going to be kind of suspect and a few other areas he's probably going to struggle, but the stats are going to be there. He's going to blow up. He's going to be talked about Pro Bowl and all this stuff, but it's going to be kind of inflated a bit. There's my there's my thing. Uh, Bears are picking Salter, uh, picking Dalton for a starter. How dumb can they be? That's what I'm saying, man. What I'm saying, <sighs> let's see what else we got here. We're just picking on Bears fans now. Goose is bear down and poop. <laughs> is that what that means? They're all emojis, so I'm not sure if that's what that's supposed to say. Um, Nate says, at best, Fields will end up another luck, broken. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. I'm, I'm fine with Joe Burrow, but it could be another luck. But I, I don't think so, man. You think he's going to be Andrew Luck? I guess that would be best case scenario. I don't know. All right. What else are we talking about here? It seems oddly quiet around Trevor for how amazing he was portrayed. Exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And again, he hasn't had a great camp, but so what? He's still Trevor Lawrence, dude. He's supposed, I mean, you want to talk about Andrew Luck. He was supposed to be the next Andrew Luck. Nobody cares. It's just, it's strange to me. And it's, it's weird because he was hyped in the draft. It's just, I don't know if people just, do they just hate the Jaguars or very, very weird. I don't know what's going on with that whole situation. Trevor is a Bengal. They're abetted. I don't know what that means. Who is going to be the team that surprises the league the most? See, now I got to pull up teams. So the Giants could be in the conversation, but nobody's going to talk about them because they're not going to be like a 12-win team. Um, But I think they'll probably surprise some people. Dallas could be a bit of a surprise team, but some people are talking about them. Also, they also, I would say it's as likely they surprise for how much they suck as it is that they surprise for as good as they are. And the biggest reason I say that, the talent level for the team means they could actually be quite good. 
but Mike McCarthy's their head coach, which means he's he is the master of convincing everybody this is going to be a new year and everything's going to be different. And you all better watch out, and then just massively underperforming. So right now, there's getting a ton of hype for Dallas. A lot of people are looking at it. They look at the offensive talent that they have, despite the fact that, like a lot of teams who don't want to ever listen to me, they allowed their offensive line to erode. Um, but aside from that, they've got the weapons, but the defense was just putrid. And the only thing that we've really got is an assurance from Mike McCarthy that the defense is massively turned around, which how many times did we hear that in Green Bay? Um, so people are starting to hype up Dallas, and it's possible Dallas is terrible. Um, Jacksonville, I'm not expecting a bounce back. Houston, I'm not expecting anything. The Chargers, I don't really expect anything. Uh, Washington, I don't expect anything. Seattle, no. Indy, no. Giants, uh, Giants, maybe. Uh, I like the coaching staff. I like the fact that they're bringing in the Shanahan system, which is going to make it easier for their quarterback, who seemed to look pretty good. They brought in a couple weapons. Uh, Defensively, their new head coach is a very intelligent defensive mind. I'm not saying necessarily playoffs, but if you're talking about a team that's going to kind of uh, surprise, maybe. Um, the Vikings possibly, but again, it's, it's, it's hard to know because it's a matter of not only how good are they going to be, but what is the actual perception. If, if people think the Vikings are going to be an 8-win team, they could surprise. If people think they're going to be a 10-win team, which is what I actually think, I don't think they're going to surprise. Bengals are not going to surprise. I think the Bengals are going to be terrible. Um, Arizona, Tennessee, San Francisco, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Philly, Atlanta, Cleveland, Kansas City. I got, I don't have much. New Orleans could possibly be in the conversation. I know I've been kind of dumping on them, um, but only because they're, they're expected to, it's like a three point favor for the Packers, which surprises me. But if Jameis can just be somewhat competent, um, they could be better than some people are expecting. But again, I don't know what people are expecting because based on the fact that we're only three-point favorites, maybe people think New Orleans is just going to be good. I don't know. I don't know if I have a team that I'm I'm expecting. New England maybe would be on that list. If if Mac can continue what he's doing, you got Bill Belichick who's obviously doing what he's doing. He can maybe do something special with the defense. You've got um, a quarterback that can execute what you need him to execute. Maybe that's the team as much as it makes me sick to say that. So I haven't put a lot of thought into it, but that would be maybe maybe my thought on that. I'm not sure. What else have we got? We're an hour and 14 minutes into this. Jags, sorry, I typed Bengals. Yep. All right. MVS is an inferior version of James Jones. That's probably fair. A.J. Dillon is our key to success this year. I feel like we're ignoring it. He opens up our passing game, and we need to remember how loaded boxes were against him. That is true, and and, and again, and I keep bringing this up, and I got to find a way to look it up, but I don't think there was ever a time we put Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the field at the same time, and um, we didn't succeed. And I think a big part of that is we put them both on the field, they load the box, and then we split out Aaron Jones, and half the time we threw it to Aaron Jones. So you load up the box, and then you throw to Aaron Jones in the slot, and then you got our, our wide receivers and tight ends blocking. Aaron Jones is our running back who's already out wide, and all of your players are, are stacked up. And then, you know, half the time we run it with A.J. Dillon into a stack box, and he still gets six yards. So um, there's so much stuff that we can do. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. That may be a bit of an overstatement as far as key to our success, but he is a key. He is definitely a factor. Uh, MVS has been very, very average to subpar receiver up to this point, in my opinion, loving the hype coming out of training camp. That's exactly where I'm at. MVS has to show out this year. He won't get re-signed if he doesn't, 100% correct. 
Um, James Jones wasn't good, and he wasn't a deep threat. Fair enough. What else we got here? Do do do. Good luck getting the jersey signed. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm trying to get caught up on these comments. Let's just scroll a little bit to the bottom. Sorry if I'm skipping some of yours. Greg says Dylan is going to be a star. I hope so, man. He's got he's got the ability. Um, I kind of noticed in the preseason. I kind of brought it up, and it's maybe just something that hasn't developed. So with I remember with Eddie Lacy, when he first started out, his vision was terrible. It really was bad. He just kind of ran into stuff, and it was one of the things that he needed to develop. But he did develop it over time, and once he did, he was he was a really good running back. He had the power, but just his ability to see things, um, it really developed, and it made him a, a fantastic running back. And if AJ Dillon can get the vision part down a little bit better, um, he does a pretty good job. But once he gets that, I mean, you look at the speed and power that that guy has; he's, he's something else. But even as he is, even if he's not the greatest in terms of his vision. If, if this guy has a little bit of a hole to run through, he's going to kill people. He's got so much speed, and then when he when he makes contact, he's going to blow you back 99% of the time. It's just something else, man. Uh, Zero says, I kind of miss the Packers struggling to get into the playoffs. It made winning that much more play. It does, and I've talked about that before. There's something more fun about that. I, I, I've talked about in the past years in which the Packers were, were not a super great team. I mean, they were maybe like a nine-ish win team or at least expected to be. And they, they consistently went up against teams that were better. And I remember going into those games just thinking, man, there's a chance. There's a chance that we actually could win. And if they win, it's the greatest thing in the world. And if they lose, it's kind of expected. The, the problem with what we have now is it's always expected. So if they win, it's not jubilation necessarily. It's more like, oh, geez, they, they almost lost. Can you believe it? That was crazy. I wish it wasn't so close. And if they lose, it's just it's you're inconsolable. Like, these guys suck. I can't believe this is the worst thing in the world. So... Yeah, that, that is a negative, but I won't complain about being a fantastic football team, I guess. I'm going to push that overrated Gary myself if I have to, says Jay Bateman. Uh, last great Bears quarterback, Rex Grossman. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. All right. Do you get all the Jordan Love hate? He wasn't all that bad in the pre I don't. I think Jordan Love hate is right in line with J.K. Scott hate. I think it's people hated the pick. People are mad. There's this feeling out there that if we had gotten Denzel Mims instead of Jordan Love, we would have won the Super Bowl, which is the dumbest thing I could ever imagine. Denzel Mims, first of all, probably would have been on the bench. He would have not have replaced Alan Lazard. He was not even that good last year. Um, There's nothing he could have done to contribute to win that football game. It's absolutely insane. As bad as everybody else was playing, unless he was going to come in and, and play three spots on the offensive line, play along the defensive line because we couldn't get any pressure, we couldn't protect Aaron Rodgers, he's going to play cornerback in, in place of Kevin King, who is terrible, unless he's going to do all that, we're not going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was not Jordan Love's fault. There's nobody. There's no magic pill in the first round that was going to help us win. We didn't need anybody else. We just needed the guys we had to play well, and they didn't. But it's the same with Rashawn Gary. Some people hate Rashawn Gary because they didn't like the pick. Some people hated J.K. Scott because they don't like think you should pick a kicker or punter in the, in the draft. Um, and some people are going to hate Jordan Love forever because they felt like it was a bad pick. And the same with the media. It, 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 there's no reason for them to be so down on Jordan Love and treat him like he's a fourth-round pick, but they do because they just didn't like the pick. And people just can't get past that. It's, it's amazing to me how so many people have no control over their emotions and their emotions control their their thinking. Their ability to reason rationally is governed entirely by their emotions and that's kind of sad and pathetic, but whatever. 
Um, Street King says, people hate Jordan Love for the same reason they hated Rodgers when he replaced Favre. They can't accept change. Yeah, that's probably part of it. Um, I could be. It's probably separate camps. That might, There might be some people who are in the same, same way as that. Goose says, I got a crash later, boys. Washington football team will win the NFC East. $1,000 bet. You have already given up all your money, and you're not going to have $1,000 after you lose that bet where we don't pay Jair. <laughs> um, I, no, I wouldn't take that either. Um, again, Dallas might underperform. The Eagles are trash. Um, I don't really like Washington, but I could see them winning the division. I'm definitely not spending $1,000 either way. Surprise team, maybe Arizona, maybe not doing an already. Comp- and again, I think I think Arizona's overhyped. So if they're good, I think they just meet expectations. That's the only reason I wouldn't pick Arizona. I could see them doing well, but I don't think they will, and I think they're already massively overhyped. Never understood hating someone who just graduating from their teenage years. Support the young man. Well, that's he's a Packer. He's a Green Bay Packer, and he's potentially the next Green Bay Packers quarterback. How would you not support him? Even if there's a 5% chance he's the next Aaron Rodgers, you really want to be on record saying you hate the guy? That's fine, but I'm going to pull the receipts because you deserve it. People had a million excuses when Lancer Fields played bad, but two bad plays from love and he'll never be. Well, that, exactly. And I've, the other thing I've pointed out is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well in the preseason. He throws interceptions. He, he, he'll have bad play. Even in the regular season, he'll miss wide open guys. I mean, 20... 19 was a really bad year. He missed so many wide-open guys. MVS, he couldn't hit to save his life. That guy could be wide open down the field and he'd miss him. He had um, screen passes. Multiple screen passes got burned into the dirt. Um, you know, there's, there's interceptions. Aaron Rodgers will throw an interception in training camp. Nobody cares because it's Aaron Rodgers. If Jordan Love throws one, I get, a f- I get five text messages from angry Packer fans that have been ragging on me for Jordan Love picks saying, oh, look who threw an interception. Look, it was a bad pick. He shouldn't have thrown it, right? Just like Sam Howell in that North Carolina game threw that ugly pick. But guess what? Everybody still loves the guy, and everybody's still going to want him to go in the first round. I don't know. Uh, Indy is definitely the dark horse of the AFC. Maybe. I don't even know who their quarterback is anymore. Uh, People are judgmental normally with a lack of knowledge or education, but with a bunch of feelings. That is... That's that's just it. I mean, it, we don't have information, so it's it, it can't be rational. Nobody is making a rational assessment of Jordan Love. I mean, you can make a semi-rational assessment only up to saying that wasn't as good as I was hoping. That's That's the best you can do. But there is no rational assessment based on the tiny bit of information we saw of almost no playing time to say that he's going to be bad. And the only people saying that are the people that hated him anyways. It's entirely emotional. There is no rational way to evaluate Jordan Love right now. Uh, still can't believe the Vikings gave all that money to Kirk. Yeah, that is kind of funny. It's going to be even funnier when he leaves because I think Kirk gets too much hate, and Vikings fans especially hate Kirk, and I think that that's funny um, because when he leaves, they're just they're going to be real bad. It's hard to not be down on uh, New Orleans. Jameis literally threw 30 interceptions the last time he was a starter. Yeah, he's so he's real bad with the picks. Um, one of the things I noticed with his stats is he has very few big-time throws and a ton of turnover-worthy throws. But he's also, he is kind of a big-time thrower, right? He'll, he'll sling it and he'll make some plays. And it's one of those things where if the Packers come out a little flat-footed and they start th- slinging and get up 14-0 in the first quarter, 
you could start to get away from you a little bit. So I just you got to make sure that you don't do that, especially against the Saints, who do have a pretty good defense. Um, he did play, I think they were the number one offense in football when he played for Tampa, which is why I thought the whole Tom Brady thing was dumb, because it's like you don't need an offensive upgrade. You need to fix your defense. They did fix the defense, and Tom Brady was also a friggin' savant. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, Speaks McGee says, who's your defensive and offensive rookies of the year picks? I'm going with Parsons and Zach Will. Oh, geez, you're talking the whole NFL. I thought you were just talking about the Packers. Uh, I don't know, man. I might have to circle back to that one. I can't even think. Kirk is way too inconsistent. He is, but it, it, you know, it's J.K. Scott. He's too inconsistent, but you replace him, it's going to get real bad. It's just going to get worse, I promise you. He's inconsistent, but he's he goes from being real good to real bad, right? He's 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 one of those guys that'll win a lot of games for you and do what you need him to do, but he's also going to lose games for you, and he's he's the reason you won't win a Super Bowl. But again, get rid of Kirk and try to find someone to replace him, and it's it's just going straight downhill. And I'm I'm pretty excited about it. It's possible they end up doing terribly and drafting a really good quarterback, but so far that is not the case. All right, do do do. AJ Dillon is going to be key to helping our offensive line get Bach gets back until Bach gets back in game six or seven we play four top 10 defensive lines well maybe we got to see because again I don't see him as a super shifty back and if we play top defensive lines and our plan is to just smash AJ Dillon into him we're not going to make a lot of progress Um, we kind of saw that in the preseason where um, if if our offensive line can create some holes then um, AJ Dillon tears people up if they can't create any holes, he just smashes into them and gets two yards and they don't go anywhere. And that's when you need a shiftier back like we had with Hill, or in this case, Aaron Jones, or you rely on Aaron Rodgers and your passing game to open things up a little bit. But a, a top defensive line, um, I know you want to smash them in there and kind of loosen them up and, and bruise them up a little bit, but it's definitely not a long-term strategy. You're just not going to go anywhere. All right. Dylan isn't the most consistent blocker yet. Lazard is better. Well, I think we're kind of comparing apples and oranges. Lazard is typically blocking corners, and Dylan is blocking pass rushers, but you're fairly correct. All right. What's up, Ryan? Greetings from Australia. Love your podcast. Thanks, Gerard. I really appreciate that. Um, trying to imagine what time it is over there. What is it, like 10 in the morning probably? You're, you're kind of on the opposite side of the world. We'll call it 10 in the morning. Are you excited about our new punter? We've been talking about that a lot. Um I'm trying to get excited about him. I, I understand the upside, and I'm trying to just embrace it and be like, his upside is what he's going to be all the time, and he's going to be a freak, and I love it. I'm just I'm just scared. Until I see it, I'm just scared. And the holding is scaring me too. All right. Kevin King error at the end of the half destroyed any momentum we had. Yeah, it was it was brutal, man. There were so many things that were brutal, but that was a big one. Gerard says, fantasy advice. I've got Jamal Williams, and someone wants to trade me A.J. Dillon for him. Thoughts? I don't think Jamal is going to be playing very much. I would take A.J. Dillon. Um, I'm not positive, but I know at one point, Jamal had got kicked down quite a bit down the depth chart, uh, maybe second, if not third. So I don't know. And plus it's the Lions. I, I'm not taking the Lions can't run the ball. They're really bad at it. I would take Dillon. Maybe, maybe I'm missing I'm terrible with fantasy football, just an FYI, but I would take Dillon over Jamal. I mean, Dillon's a better running back. The Packers are a better running team. And I just think that Dylan makes more sense. All right. Also excited about Newman. Tom Brady is in a steep decline. That's my hot take. I hope so, man. I'm still waiting for it. But um, 
I'm just waiting for the devil to collect because he's still dishing it, man. The media keeps uh, being down on J-Lo because it would be completely messed up. The, quote, Green Bay is going to be trash without Aaron narrative. They're going to be looking for every mistake by him. That that There is some truth to that, but I think it has more to do with the fact that they keep saying when Rodgers leaves, the team's going to fall apart because they refuse to acknowledge that there's any talent on this team. And this is this is something that a lot of other people take and run with. You know, you got Bears fans and everybody else taking that narrative because they love that narrative. They refuse to acknowledge Jair. They refuse to acknowledge Amos. They refuse to acknowledge Savage or Rashawn or Zadarius or Kenny or our entire offensive line or Devontae Adams because Aaron Jones just makes all these guys or Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon or Alan Lazar because Aaron Aaron Rodgers just makes all these guys. He's the one that does it all. He's the one that's playing defense and getting the interceptions. He was the number one corner on the team. He was the best safety duo in football. Um, He's the one running the ball. He's the one getting open. Um, you know, he's just throwing Devonte open. Devonte doesn't beat guys off the line and get 10 yards of separation in four seconds flat. Um, no, that's Aaron Rodgers. He's just, he's the one doing it all. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, they would be much better analysts if they would just stop saying stupid things and they wouldn't have to back themselves into stupid corners. But here we are. Um, Ereichel says, all right, I finally like the Facebook group. Sorry, it took several years. Well, I appreciate that. Make sure you follow the Facebook group as well. I don't know why they have a like and a follow, but just make sure you go follow the group because um, that's how I'm going to decide who wins the competition. You have to be following it. And the reason I say follow, two reasons. Number one, I looked at another Facebook page that I have, and they're doing this thing where they're getting rid of likes entirely, and it's all follows. So if everybody just likes it, and then they do away with that, I'm in trouble. Secondly, liking doesn't really do anything. It's a way to just like attach your name to the page. I was reading up on this. Following means I actually care about this and I want to see, like, I want to get notifications about it. So you're going to see notifications when I go live, for example. It'll show up on your feed, whereas liking apparently won't. So make sure you follow the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Um, Zero says it's Love's first preseason. Give him two more seasons and we can fully evaluate him. It's true, but that's also part of the reason why I, I don't really... I'm not going to say I don't like the throw him to the wolves thing, but the idea that let's just play Jordan Love this year, we'll evaluate him and decide how to go forward. Well, even if he has a bad year, what do you do? Do you give up on him and go draft somebody else? Because that's not really fair because you kind of don't expect him. So what do you do? You give him a couple more years? Well, then why did we just dump Rodgers? It's going to take a couple years anyway, so I don't know, whatever. But you're right. It's going to take a few years to fully evaluate the guy. Um Street King says, drafting Love solved the problem twofold. Made Rodgers fight for his job, gives Love a fantastic mentor, and learn football from who he's going there, there are a lot of reasons. Uh, beyond that, I think it's funny that the fact that Aaron Rodgers basically said, I want out, was proof that what they did was right, despite the fact that everybody says that the only reason he's leaving is because of Jordan Love. It's not entirely true. There is some truth to it. It was one of the things that made him nervous, like, oh, man, they're going to leave me. But that was not, it was pointing to the fact that there's some underlying issues here. And the Packers felt like Aaron Rodgers was unhappy, unsatisfied, and they, they hedged their bets. They, they gave themselves the power. If Jordan Love wasn't there, Aaron Rodgers would have all the leverage to say, hey, I want this, I want that, and there's nothing you can do about it. We have Jordan Love now, so now they have leverage. Um, but, it's, but at the same time, they, they don't want, nobody wants to acknowledge that, that. That kind of proves that it wasn't that bad of a move, right? He's, he's got one foot out the door, and we have a backup, and he's ready to go, and he fell into our lap, and we traded up to get him, and he's a talented guy, and he's at Aaron Rodgers as a mentor, and he's in a quarterback-friendly team. It's a pretty good situation for Jordan Love. But again, we're never going to give Gutekunst credit for any of that. Um, I don't believe the upgrade at punter is a fix uh, 
is a fix-all solution special team. Still a lot of work to do, says Gerard. 100%. We got a new long snapper. We're looking at new kickers and all this stuff, and I feel like we're looking in all the wrong places. It's you got to get gunners that can tackle, and more importantly, we need returners that can get more than five yards, and we need guys that can block and do all those kinds of things. So I don't know, but whatever. At least it's something. Um, A.A. Ron was washed up in 1718, according to the narrative. That is true. Aaron should have at least three rings. I don't know. It's so hard to, I don't like that discussion because it's so hard to gauge that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 32 teams, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can just know. There's a lot of really good quarterbacks that don't have that many rings. Um, I think I looked at it at the average was about 1.5 for Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So what I did is I looked at all the Hall of Fame quarterbacks and soon to be Hall of Fame quarterbacks like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and whatnot, except I excluded Rodgers and Favre because I didn't want it to be skewed based on their numbers. And on average, Hall of Fame quarterbacks have 1.5 Super Bowls. So between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, you would expect three. We have two. It's pretty close to on par. If Aaron Rodgers wins one more Super Bowl, three between the two would be right on par with what you would expect. Um, So... Again, I think we overstate that a little bit. It would be nice if there was more. You could understand why there would be more, but I don't think it's necessarily statistically correct that we should just assume there would be more. Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic quarterback, but a terrible leader. Maybe. I don't really know. I I do have my issues with that, but I think a lot of the people there like him. He probably could do some things a little bit better. Rodgers did get stiffed by not having a great defense. I'm mad people didn't like Goot when he's getting us a legit top 10 defense. That's the other thing. I mean, people are, it, it's a lot of times it is the same people, the people that are mad about all kinds of things, especially the way that we do things. They're mad about the defenses that have been put up, which is fine. I'm mad about it too. And yeah, if Aaron Rodgers had any chance of winning, it would have been if we had given him some better defenses. That's all true. Gutekunz comes in, completely revamps his defense in one year, and we have a very good defense and everybody hates Gutekunz. I just, I don't understand it. I don't, don't understand it. Um. All right. Zero says, here's hoping that you get that gig at first take on ESPN. <laughs> I don't think, I'm not saying I wouldn't take it because I'm sure those guys get paid a stupid amount of money. So I would take it, but that would be a terrible job. I don't know. I don't know. I guess it'd be fine. Um, Ereichel says, we'll follow Facebook group. Thank you. I appreciate it. I do. I was looking at it. Um, if I wanted to get, if I wanted to reach my goal by the Super Bowl of 10,000 people following that group, I need 50 a day, which there's no way that's going to happen. But if you guys could go over to the Facebook group and go follow it, that would be fantastic. I'm actually losing my voice doing this. Now he says, am following. Nailed it. You are nailing it, man. You're killing it. Good is a beast as a talent evaluator, and he's working on communication. I think he's a top three guy, and you don't get Alexander Savage. And I heard he pushed for Bakhtiari and a couple 13-3 teams. That's the other thing. <laughs> Gutekunst does get credit for some of the guys that we got prior to Gutekunst. He was on our squad. He was one of the best talent evaluators we had. And by the way, thanks to Tom Grassi, by the way, who did all these things, the, the, the best thing Tom Grassi ever did, because I've used this nugget a thousand times, he explained, he did a sit-down with Mark Murphy, and Mark Murphy explained why Brian Gutekunst got the job over everybody else. It was very simple. He prioritized talent evaluation, especially in the draft, because the Green Bay Packers, more than any other organization, realize that that is where it all begins. That's, that's everything, being able to evaluate talent and get the best guys in in the draft. That's the most important thing. So he did a very simple thing. He said, go get your notebooks. 
Go get all your notebooks that had all your notes about the prior draft classes and show me what you said about all these guys. And he said he looked at Brian Gutekunst's notes, and it was just super clear. It was just, this is our guy. His ability to evaluate talent, on, on presumably, and I don't know about Bakhtiari specifically, but it's not just, obviously, it has nothing to do with the guys that he got now. It's about the guys that we got prior to, meaning he looked at the notebook and he saw all these guys that they picked, maybe not all, I'm sure he had some misses, but a lot of these misses, Gudekunst was the one guy saying, I don't think we should do it. And on a lot of the hits, he was the one pushing. That's why he went with him over guys like Elliot Wolf and, and whoever else was in line. He looked at his notes, he looked at what he had done, and he said, you know, communication or not, what we care about, what we need to care about is his ability to evaluate talent. That's his most important aspect. And again, he's proven to be good at that. So I don't understand why we can't get on board with this. We've got one of the best talent evaluators as our GM, and he's proven, not just in the draft, but in pro personnel, Zadarius Smith, free agent. Nobody was talking about Zadarius, by the way. That's the other thing. We're just going to pretend like Zadarius was a known commodity. There were like five or six guys that everybody wanted at pass rusher ahead of Zadarius. The Packers went with Zadarius, and they paid him a ton of money, like $17 million a year, and everybody was like, you got to be out of your mind. That guy, who, he's, like, he's a rotational guy in Baltimore. He's not even doing anything. He comes here and he dominates. Not going to give him credit for that? Same thing with Adrian Amos. He was like fifth on the list. Nobody wanted him. That was one that I actually really wanted, by the way, but went out and got him. He's, he was the number one safety in football last year. Not going to give him any credit? You guys are you guys are just again you're you're thinking with your emotions and I don't know why your emotions are so weird and and angry at stupid things but you got to wake up man I think for most people it's just a, a matter of way too high of expectations well what about Jay Sternberger what about Jay Sternberger well it's a miss so what you think being a good GM means you make hits all the time you think Bill Belichick hit on all his picks he doesn't he misses on more than he hits it's just crazy stuff. Um, bring Janice back just as a gunner. See, and that's, I'm, I'm not kidding. And I'm not talking about Janice specifically because I don't know what he's doing at this time or how good he is, but we never care about special teams guys until we start to care about it, right? I was advocating for guys like Trevor Davis and Janice, and everybody thought I was an idiot. The problem is those guys leave and then we can't do anything and everybody's mad about it. Well, do you miss them now, right? Do you see why I wanted them? I understand Trevor Davis was a, and he did fumble a lot. I get that. He, he struggled, but he was a great returner when he could actually catch that freaking ball. Um, it's 11 o'clock. Holy cow. But I even said, I don't even care. Don't call him a wide receiver. Just give him a specific designation on the, on the squad that just says punt returner. And that's it. That's all he does. And I don't care because it matters. It matters that much. All right. Getting down to the bottom of this thing. We're finally wrapping it up. We're almost two hours into this stream. <laughs> this is supposed to be a short one for the podcast tomorrow. <clears throat> I got to get up early, too, and put that uh, pork roast on. It's going to be a rough situation. Uh, it's kind of wild that after all the good good is done, he's getting crucified due, where did it go, due to the 2020 draft. Yeah, it's, it's just silly, man. And even people are trying to kill him about it. And it's like, we don't even know what the, we don't, who do we know about in 2020? We don't know about a lot of guys. I mean, if Jordan Love is a good quarterback, everybody else can fail. And it's a great draft class. On top of that, A.J. Dillon looks pretty good. So, you know, 
there might have been a couple misses in there. By the way, we got a starting offensive lineman in the sixth round in John Runyon. Jake Hansen is on the squad right now. The only other guy is Stepniak. He retired. It wasn't like he did a bad job. Um, so I, it's just, it's a weird, it's such a weird thing. And I thought Kamal was a hit, but apparently they didn't like him and they moved on. Why didn't Goot pick a single wide receiver in the 2020 draft? Because they weren't going to reach. He kind of addressed that several, they want, they wanted wide receivers in the first round. They all got taken. And rather than take a second round wide receiver in the first round, they took Jordan Love because it was, it's, it's a matter of taking the talent. They said they were, they specifically said in the second round, there were wide receivers they wanted, but they were all gone. So they went with AJ Dillon in the third round, same thing. And we know who the guy is. I think he's for Baltimore. I can never remember his name, but they said there was a guy that went just like a pick or two before that they were going to take and that he got taken. So then we went with Jace or whatever it was, uh, Deguara. I'm, I'm getting my years confused. I think it was Deguara. Um, so that's, I mean, that's why, I mean, there's guys that they want, there's guys that they're targeting and then they get drafted and there's no wide receivers. It's, it just is what it is, man. It's how the cookie crumbles. Um, in five years, Goot could be hailed as one of the best GMs due to the 2020 draft. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Jordan Love is, is the key to that draft. If Jordan Love's terrible, Gutekunst is going to get criticized for that forever which it's a little overrated, to, or it's, it's a little overly harsh, but that's what's going to happen. And if he's good, he's going to be hailed for it. But the media absolutely doesn't want him to succeed because there's so many clips of everybody saying that that was the worst pick ever, which is hilarious because we don't even know if he's any good at football. Um, people in the media hate the draft for the future approach. They just want to see Flash, 100%. I, I remember it was even it was the draft guys. I think one of the uh, people from the draft network, you would expect guys that are obsessed with the draft to really care about nerdy stuff. But I remember a couple of years ago, they said, this is a really boring draft. It wasn't. There was great defensive talent. There were like, you know, a lot of edge rushers and, and uh, offensive linemen. They said it was boring because there weren't a lot of quarterbacks and everybody hated it. I, fr- I want to say it was like uh, 2018, 2019. It was a couple of years ago. There were not a lot of quarterbacks and everybody thought it was boring. Like, you guys suck. <laughs> you don't even care about football unless there's, like, wide receivers and quarterbacks. Like, that's what gets people excited. It's so stupid. Um, Zero says, good night, fellas. It's been real. I got to get out of here, too. Uh, Street King says, this has been dope. Ryan, don't worry. I'm going hiking for 10 miles in Texas heat tomorrow at 9 a.m. If I can do it, you can get up and smoke some meat. Good call. I'll, I'll put it on go back to bed. All right, talking about hiking now. Do, 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 do. So I got hooked up for the Steelers versus Packers game this year. Haven't been to Lambeau. So that speaks to me. That's, uh, that's a big one, man. A lot of, lot of people on the Twitters and whatnot are going to be there. So if you're on Twitter, you're going to be able to meet a lot of those people. Um, be cool if I could go, but I, I just don't think I'm going to be able to make it. So anyways, I got to wrap it up, man. We're at an hour and 42 would you rather lock up Jair or Tay? I told you I get that question all the time. Jair is the answer. I got to get going. I got to get to bed. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Thank you very much again to Jason Miller for the $5 Super Chat and Kyle Bernson for the $10 Super Chat. Thank you guys every single day. I've been getting a little bit here, a little bit there. I'm getting nothing from ad revenue because I only get like 200 views on these videos, which isn't very much, but I'm having a great time hanging out with you guys. You guys have a good night, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.